these are all, are all, are everything. My God, he deserves the worship. He deserves the praise. Glorify. Love him with all your heart. Amen. He is the living hope. He's the joy of our heart. Amen. He's the one who died for us, who redeemed us, who rose up from the grave. And here is in the power of his resurrection right here today to manifest his glory. Let him reveal himself to you today. Amen. Oh, let him speak to you. Let him reveal himself as only he can. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, today. We worship you from the depths of our heart. Then sings my soul, oh, Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. There's none like you, Lord. Father, there's needs here today that we want to bring before your throne of grace. Our brother Ron Peterson there in Phoenix is laying in the hospital. They're going to be keeping him some more days. Pneumonia and influenza. Lord, just coming back from meetings where you moved and blessed your people. Lord, we thank you for men who have a desire burden Lord to take the gospel to the lost I pray Lord that there continue to be much fruit out of Vanuatu where he's ministered Lord today oh God also many other needs Lord we can hear them coming in we get them from the internet through letters through emails I have a need I have a situation My granddaughter is on drugs, or my son is lost, or my daughter. Lord, Sister Kathy Shelton, crying out for their need, Lord, for their family. Pray, God, that you'll meet that need, Lord. Deliver your people. Deliver them from these chains of bondage. Before me is a prayer cloth for our brother Terry Jones. Cancer is wrapped around his colon and down in his body. And just hearing the other day, Lord, where that you healed cancer. The same day that you healed our sister Lana. We sent a prayer cloth there all the way to South Africa. Third stage rectal. Cancer was healed. You're still caught. These are our testimonies. A testimony of a present day, ever living Christ. And he is our living hope. Today, Lord, we are here trying to, with all our hearts, admonish your people to increase their faith, to cause it to come up another level higher. I pray, Lord, even as we do, may faith go with this prayer cloth. Lord, as it goes across the mail and finds its way to the home of Terry Jones, Lord, may our brother receive life, life-giving strength today. Our brother Ron, Lord, you, you know his need. Needs the strength, 
that only El Shaddai can bring. And today, Lord, he, again, he's nursing his strength from the breast of God, from the Old Testament that says, I'm the Lord God that healeth all thy diseases. To the New Testament, that if we ask anything in your name, you will do it. We're asking, Lord, that today will be a day of deliverance, that it'll be a hallmark, a day, that, a red-letter day that we'll remember for a long time that God came by our way, that he spoke in lives and hearts, that he revealed himself as only God can reveal. I pray that you'll do it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. As this prayer cloth is laid on our brother, may the demon spirit leave him. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ and ask for God's glory to be his today through the healing virtues of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as I look into the scripture, I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint it to our hearts. We can do nothing without you. You are everything, Lord. You are everything. There's just nobody like you. You've given us life. The goodness of God has been on our lives. Your mercy never fails. Your presence is with us. The never failing presence of Jesus that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I pray, Lord, today that we'll realize we're in the presence of the Almighty and that He's speaking. May the Spirit speak through this, His servant today and here through the years. We give it to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Before you're seated, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, if you will, please. And, and uh, Revelation 2 and verse 17, he that hath an ear, I pray you have an ear today. Not everybody has one. Amen. Not a hearing ear. Not an anointed ear. But he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And then if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 16, in verse 14, I'd like to read from there to Exodus 16, 14. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. Now, us southern people don't know really how to compare that because we've probably never seen hoarfrost. But nevertheless, it was just a small round thing. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, 
This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. And they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. Then down to verse 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commandeth, fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness, and when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came into to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they were come to the borders of the land of Canaan. God bless you. You can have your seats. If you will, turn with me also over to Psalms chapter 78. I want to read from there as well. Uh, we'll read from verse 12, Psalms 78 and 12. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand up as in a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and they said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out. And the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel. Because they believed not in God nor trusted in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. And it rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. 
Oh my, what a wonderful scripture reading today. And I just want to say that our God is just as much with us today as he was, as he was recounted here by David in the Psalms. Now, if you notice in the reading from the Exodus, though, that, you know, a lot of people had gathered the, the manna, but they, they, um, they had gathered it and tried to keep it over to the next day. And, and that manna, some of that manna grew stale and bread worms and it stank. You see, he had been, they had been instructed to leave none of it until the morning. But they didn't hear what Mo- Moses said, but they left it to the morning and it bred worms and stank. But then we also read that there was a place that the manna never grew old or bred worms and stank. For he said, take a pot and put a full manna thereof and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. So here's manna that will last for generations and, and then there's manna that will only last for a day. Now I want to speak on today of the place where manna never grows old or grows stale. And of course, that place is behind the veil in the holies of holies. Behind the veil is where the manna in the presence of the Shekinah glory never gets old and it never stinks. But outside the veil, the manna will grow stale and breed worms. Now, Brother Branham told us uh, in the message, and I, I want to—it seemed like I'm just jumping off here somewhere else, but I'm wanting to bring this for you to understand. In the message leadership, he said, "Many of you think I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to heaven. That don't mean one thing. You're going to heaven, no, sir. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour in your life and still be lost and go to hell. The Bible said so." That's exactly right. Well, you know, this has caused many to question and wonder, what do we even need the Holy Ghost for? If it won't keep us from hell and we could have it every hour of our life and still be lost and go to hell, well, what do we want it for? You know, perhaps, you know, we don't even want that manna. I tell you, you do. We all do. But a person must go beyond the veil, beyond the courts of justification and the veil of sanctification and past the mere anointings of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that comes and goes like it did in the Old Testament. It would come down upon men and then would leave. But here in this new covenant, there is a place that you go in God that the Holy Spirit never leaves you. It doesn't come and go. It abides with you forever. Now, so again, we we must go beyond the inner veil or into the inner veil where the Spirit of God comes into the soul and that is where the manna never grows stale. It must be more than just an anointing upon your human spirit that stirs your emotion. But it must come upon the soul and change your nature. Now, will it be emotional? Sure, it comes with feelings. It is not emotion, amen, but it can be experienced. 
Now, but of course this problem as to why many will go from camp to camp and the experience will, will go off before next camp and they'll go from meeting to meeting and, and um, from revival to revival as it was. Uh, needing all to be revival again. And some, you know, just blame it on youth camp or others want to blame it on, on the experience itself and say, well, it was just emotion. No, it wasn't just emotion. Amen. It was the genuine Holy Spirit. But to a lack of total surrender, it only got as far as the, the realm of the human spirit. But if it ever gets down in the soul, and roots out sin nature and the person of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in to dwell within the soul. You are sealed to the day of redemption and Satan is sealed out. Amen. So it's no longer just a baptism or an anointing of the Spirit that you can have every day of your life and go to hell. But it is an indwelling presence of the almighty God, the person himself, Christ coming to live within you. Now, Brother Branham uh, spoke about this, the, the, this manna and, uh, for example, speak to the rock. I'm going to refer to a number of them today. Some I won't, I'll just paraphrase and won't tell you, but, but he says, Brother, every man or woman that comes into this divine Holy Ghost priesthood has a right to get the genuine heartful of the original baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. The same signs, the same power, the same demonstration, same feeling, same action, glory, not something that looks like it, the original. Amen. And the Lord said, I'm going to store up a whole lot of this because there's going to be many generations. So every time one comes in, I'm going to give him a great big heart full of it. I, I'm so glad to know that there's manna been stored up and there is a place of an endless supply of the Holy Ghost that is not just an anointing on your spirit, but, but abides within the soul. Now, here's the problem with, with uh, stale manna. You know, as, as Brother Branham would talk about it, he said, I, he said, don't pick up too much of it. Just what you can use today. Don't just try to go to church one day and get enough religion to last you until next year. Amen. It won't last if that kept over got wiggle tails in it. You know, well, I prayed up. I come to the altar last Sunday. I got my religion done now for the, for the year, for the month, or, you know, I'm satisfied. I mean, you know, that's what's wrong with a lot of churches. In other words, you had a lot of it, you wiggle tails that tries to get into your experience of years ago. As he says, let's get up higher and move right on. Remember, the manna never ceased from that day until they entered into the promised land. And the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost will never cease falling on the church till the millennium comes, Jesus comes in power, the old corn again. Now, so note now, we must, we must go beyond the veil and we, when we receive the Holy Ghost, we become a priest unto God. Remember, this is the anointing for priesthood. Amen. The Bible speaks of us as a royal priesthood. 
It says, he has made us unto our God kings and priests. We have a right to go beyond the veil and receive of the original manna, manna that can never rot, manna that will never get old, manna that will never grow stale because it's in the presence of the Shekinah glory and, and it's, the experience is renewed every day. Now, empowered to season, Brother Branham says, he says this, this Holy Ghost manna that began to fall on the day of Pentecost was to sustain the church and the church was to live only by the Holy Spirit until the day we enter the millennium. So how long is this Holy Ghost going to last us? How long will it be poured out? How many, how many more years do we have experience until we are translated? Amen. The same Holy Ghost. Notice it was for everyone that was a priest in the Old Testament. Everyone in the New Testament that becomes a Christian, born again, becomes a priest of God. We are priests and kings. A priest is to make sacrifice. Oh, I hope today you came as a priest. Amen. To make a sacrifice. Oh, you say, oh, Brother Tim, Jesus is our sacrifice and we can't kill Jesus again. No, that's not your sacrifice that you offer this morning. You are to offer a sacrifice in your worship. Amen. It is to be a sacrifice of praise, giving, giving praise to his name, a sacrifice of our lips. I want you to notice, not your head nodding. Amen. Not a mental ascent but an actual response, a sacrifice. Your lips offer a sacrifice of praise. Put up Hebrews 13, 15, and you'll see what I mean. For he says, he says there, we're to give God the sacrifice of our lips. Our lips have got to make a sacrifice. A praise to God continually. Amen. That is the fruit of our lips. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, this, this is the fruit offering that you're to give to God. Amen. Jesus was the lamb in the Passover. This is not the Passover. This is not offering Christ. This is you offering back to God fruit. In your worship, bringing the fruit of your lips. Amen. Which is the, the fruit of our lips given thanks to his name. And, and, and let me quote Brother Branham. Say, I don't feel like it. He says, do it anyhow. It has nothing to do with how you feel or how depressed you are, how much trouble you've had this week or how much sickness has been in your home or how what your bank account level is right now. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with not your problems but who he is. Who he is. Notice he said, he said, say, I'm too tired. And that's the way it is, Brother Madam said himself. I preached to more tired people than, than ever, ever in all my life. Amen. It seemed like everybody just wore out. I'm too tired this morning. Didn't get enough sleep. We've been working too hard. We've been making too much straw and too much bricks and, and working for Pharaoh. Amen. He said, so he said, say, I don't feel like it. Do it anyhow. That's a sacrifice. Say, I feel too tired. 
The devil will tell you that till he takes you to hell. That's right. You are to make a spiritual sacrifice. The fruits of our lips given praise to his name. Kings and priests unto God. How many are priests and kings this morning? Then offer fruit. Amen. And it must come from your lips. You just can't sit there and be an observer. You must be a participator. You are a priest. You have a job to do. You know, sometimes I I watch, well, I'm not even going to say where I was, but I was in a meeting not too long ago and and watching young people there as everybody else is singing. You don't think you've got a job to do? You, you parents, you don't know how to teach your children from when they're like this. You know, don't let, you know, here we're worshiping God. Get up. When they stand, when they're asked to stand, you stand. When they clap hands, you clap hands. When you raise your hands to praise, you raise your hands to praise. Amen. Come on. That should be, that should be something that parents impart to their kids, to their young people. And young people should never sit on the pew. Much less you old grouches out there. I don't feel like singing. Let everybody just sing for me. Problem is you ain't felt like singing for years. Well, it's my nature. Well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't claim grouchiness. Amen. When you come to the house of God, you are a priest. And you are to offer praise to his name. It ought to come when we're singing. It ought to come when there's preaching. It it ought to come, you know, just glorifying the name of the Lord. You participate. Well, we'll walk out on you again. Well, go ahead, walk out. We're going to worship. Amen. Now, so he says, so, he, so again, you know, he, he tells us to, that the devil will tell you that till he takes you to hell. Now, so, so again, you know, you refuse to worship God. You refuse to enter in. Do you know what's going to happen? You're just going to be pulled right down into the depths. It'll not lift you up out of your, your ways and your doldrums and your lukewarmness you've got to fight lukewarmness the bible said that we are overcomers and we are going to overcome the lukewarmness of this age so offer fruits it must come from your lips you just can't sit there and be an observer now of course we know of course we know brother Branham said it over and over again everywhere that Jesus is there is noise but we know there can be noise and Jesus not present. Amen. Even Brother Branham told us we get noise confused with anointing. Noise isn't the, ain't the anointing. He said, I've seen a lot of noise and not enough faith to cure a toothache. You've got to come solemnly to the Father. Amen. And some have trained, even you can be trained in a congregation to, to give a response, running to the platform, standing, shouting, screaming to the preaching. You know, just noise. And some have confused that as the evidence of the Holy Ghost, and it's not. 
Amen. The evidence of the token is not noise, but a surrendered life to God. Amen. Now, in the message, all things, he said, oh, I went down there and there's a lot of power. Brother, the whole, the whole floor was dancing in the spirit and, and not enough faith to heal a toothache. You call that power? That's not power. That's blessings. There's a lot of difference between blessings and power. God makes his blessings on the righteous and unrighteous. The sun shines and we, you know, we got to get back to truth. We got to come back to what God means. But I want you not to lose your balance here. Though it is not power, nor faith, it is blessings. And blessings are still needed. Amen. Amen. Shouting is needed. In fact, the matter is shouting should be encouraged. Wow. What if it's just noise, but, but just, and only blessings? Well, why, why God deny God's people blessings? But anyway, let's just talk about what the Bible said about shouting for a minute. Psalms 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy. All ye that are upright are righteous in heart. Amen. So he encourages us to shout for joy. Psalms 47 and 1. Oh, clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. What are you doing? You're already counting it done. You know Jesus defeated it at Calvary. So you've got a right to shout with a voice of triumph. Psalms 5.11, let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them shout, ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Amen. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Amen. But prayer is also the job of a priest. David prayed, may my prayer be set before you like incense. Luke chapter 18 you know, Jesus tells a parable to the effect that they ought to always come and pray and not lose heart. I, you know, sometimes this is so difficult because, of course, he uses the parable of the unjust judge and the woman, you know, coming to him. And, but he taught us to pray and not give up. So, so again, he taught us to pray that we also all to pray, not lose heart, or pray, not get, become discouraged. Pray and never give up. You, you say, well, Brother Tim, we prayed for our loved one and they died. And we didn't, God didn't answer our prayer the way we wanted him to. So, you know, so, you know, so, so what now? We prayed and why do, he told us to pray and then we didn't get an answer. God wants us to God wants us to pray anyway. Even when he says no, we continue to pray right on for the promises of God. Now, if he said no to that, no need to pray for that anymore. But however, you know, the rest of the time, we can just go right back to praying. Well, what about this, Lord? Here's another need. I'm not giving up. Just because somebody died of cancer don't mean we're not going to pray for cancer to leave the people. Come on, just because somebody's sick and, and they died, 
from me. We won't pray for that disease anymore. No, we know our God answers. But you know, it seems like the more Laodicea comes in, the more we want to refine the church and her behavior. Until we just want dry theology anymore. Brother Branham told us this in the exposition of the seven church ages. He said, Paul saw it coming, but he warned them about the subtle priesthood that would come and take over with its false doctrines. He knew they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part in a Holy Spirit ministry. And even today, among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there is not too much freedom in the laity. The best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. This is a far cry from Paul who said they, when they all came together, all had the leading of the Spirit and all participated in spiritual worship. Amen. So, so there again, we, we have worship leaders. What are they doing? Trying to lead you in worship. We have the ministry of the word going forth where God is speaking to the people. You must respond to that. Amen. If you want God to move on your behalf, Hattie Wright didn't just sit there and nod her head, but it was her response that moved God on her behalf. She said, that's nothing but the truth. And it was her profession uh, there, a confession that she made in that moment that caused God to say, give her what she wants. You want God to give you what you want? You have a need? Amen. Then respond to the word of God. Now, Brother Branham talked about this over and over all the way through 1964, even after the seals. He would use this illustration. He talked about how Aaron, the great priest. Now remember, you are a priest. Look over to your neighbor and said, I'm a priest. Well, okay, you probably wasn't very convincing. Your wife said, oh, sure, right? Well, amen. I'm a priest. That's what I am. So bear in mind, we are, we are priests being born of the Holy Spirit. We are a priest unto God. All right, now as a priest, now we're dressed a certain way. The high priest would be dressed with a bell and a pomegranate. A bell and a pomegranate all around his, his garment, and it would ring out, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Amen? So you see, that's how they knew that they hadn't been slain because they could hear the priests moving around behind the veil because of the noise. And he said, now listen, I'm starting to quote now. The only way he knew he was alive when he was back there, they could listen and hear the bell, hear the noise. Brother, I tell you, we need some pomegranates and bells beating, beating together like that with a joyful noise unto the Lord as a witness that God still lives and reigns. Amen. What kind of witness? Them witness like they climbed up to that upper room. Here's a kind of witness. Same kind of other priests. Now the same kind. Watch. It's not bells and pomegranates we wear around our garments. But 
what's what kind of noise now? Them witnesses climbed up in that upper room there, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They made a pomegranate and the bell get together. They staggered like a drunk man under the impact of the Holy Spirit. God still got witnesses of the same thing. You'll be my witnesses of this power in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Jeffersonville, Indiana, and Mendon, Louisiana. Hallelujah. What a, now, Brother Branham calls this a beautiful picture of the church today. I wonder, I wonder if our churches are looking like that. Walking. You know the reason he made them bells? The people on the outside didn't know whether he's alive or not. Unless he was making some noise. I'm telling you, mm, our dead church, that don't make any noise. Oh, something's happened. Yes, sir. They haven't entered into that holies of holies. Ah, get mad at the prophet. Amen. He said, them dead churches that don't make any noise. They haven't entered into that holies of holies. Everything you find God, you find, everywhere you find God, you find a lot of noise. It's exactly right. When Jesus went into Jerusalem, they broke down palms and Galilean pheasants began to, to uh, sing uh, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. Some of those Pharisees said, oh, that makes chills go up my back. That's sacrilegious. Make them hold their peace. What Jesus said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Something has to take place when Christ comes in. So again, I'm going to read just a couple of these for you because there are way too many to bring them all. And, and, and it would be redundant. But it's over and over and over. Listen, this is not just one little isolated thing he talks about. This is something he brings out all through his ministry, even after the seals. In fact, this is 64. It's strange. It's strange wherever he's at, there's always a lot of noise. You know, noise is a sign of life. Remember the high priest when he dressed and went into the holiest of holies on the end of his garment, he had a pomegranate and a bell. And that noise in the holiest of holies was only way the waiters knew that he was alive or not. It made a noise. And where there ain't no noise, then my, he might be dead. Well, I think that's what's the matter with a lot of our churches today. There's not enough noise about it. Not enough enthusiasm. Not enough something. Oh, where Jesus is, there's always a noise. One time he came to Jerusalem, they were screaming, hollering, Hosanna to the king that come in the name of the Lord. Some of those priests standing there, why make them keep still, hold their peace. Said if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. Something has to move when he's around. Amen. Again, he talks about it there. I tell you what, a church lets off its noise and something happens just to assure the world because everywhere the Shekinah glory is, there is noise. Mm. But you know, the thought today is, but we're grown up. We're mature Christians. We are now, well, we, we are... We're not babies, Pentecostal babies. We're the mature bride tree. 
Yeah, well, if that's so, and she's mature, well, guess what? In her restoration, she got her joy back. So actually, lack of joy is a sign of immaturity. Hello? Amen. You know, he said the devil ate off the joy of salvation. You people make too much noise. So I want you to notice here, Brother Branham told us what takes the joy away like that is the devil. So what kind of spirit would be anointing people today to say, you're making too much noise. But I want you to know the bride tree has been restored and the joy of our salvation is back. He has restored to us the joy of our salvation. And think of this, God gives us angels food, bread from heaven that tastes so sweet. It's just heavenly. Amen. Now that manna was kept in in the ark of testimony within the holiest of holies in the presence of the Shekinah glory. And I want you to think, there are three things that must be in your ark of testimony. Now remember, it was called the testimony or the ark of testimony. So all of these must be in your testimony, must be in your ark. You're a priest. These must not be missing. One, a supply of manna. The Holy Ghost that never runs out. You're always filled. The Holy Ghost remains. It doesn't come and go. It never breeds worms or stink. So one, number one, is a pot of manna representing the Holy Ghost. Amen. And here you have come in the presence of God with the Holy Ghost and your manna never grows old. And it never breeds worms. And it never stinks. It's still just as good as the day you got it. It's still just as fresh as it always was. It's still joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Number two, the law of God. The tablets. Where God wrote with his finger. Amen. Let me just bring it down to you. You got it too. If you're, if you're a Christian today, if you become behind the veil, if you are in the holiest of holies, you also have in your ark the tablets. He writes in your heart his law. In your nature. So this must be a part of your testimony. I have the law of God living in my heart. A bird flies. Why? Because of the law within him. Right? Amen. A fish swims. Why? Because of the law within him. Amen. Now, a Christian now keeps the word of God. Why? Because the law of God is in him. Amen. So you see, you must believe every bit of it. You cannot, he cannot deny himself. Amen. Now, the third thing is the staff. Some of you will know exactly where I'm going to. Aaron's staff. Amen. It was kept in the Ark of Testimony. What was it? It was when a question had come up as to whether he was really chosen of God to be a priest. Whether this was God's choice or man's choice. Because they just said, hey, you're Moses' brother. Moses chose you. It's a family deal. And we want in on this. 
And God said, okay, bring all of your staffs and bring them in the holiest of holies. Aaron, bring yours. Put it there. Mark them all. Put it there. And, and, the, and the next day, Aaron's rod in the, the presence of the Shaganah glory, it came alive. Amen. And what did it do? It bore almonds. What was that? A personal testimony, a personal experience, a personal vindication of God. Every person must have their own experience with God that lays within their ark. Amen. That you can point back to the time that the old dead stick that you were came to life. Hallelujah. And bore the fruit that only the Holy Ghost can bear. Somebody help me preach now. So you see, you're going to have to have it. You're going to have manna that never fails, that never breeds worms, that never gets stank. Come on. That, that, that 10 years down the road, you don't lose your religion. You don't turn your back on Christ. You don't deny the message. You're going to have to have your own personal experience where God vindicates to you. You are chosen. Man didn't choose you. This wasn't your idea. This was him. You're going to have to have his word written in your nature. Amen. But we're speaking about manna this morning. Manna. On that journey... A mixed multitude came that started hating the bread of heaven. Angels food. Could you imagine that? On the journey, there was some that didn't want it no more. Well, Brother Tim, we're already in the, in the, we're, we're already in the Canaan's land, and we're eating the old corn of the land, and the manna's quit falling. Listen, that's the wrong type. We'll type it that way in our next time. Wrong time. Mixing your types. This manna continues to fall. God continues pouring out his spirit until the millennium. Are you with me? It never ceases. This manna came on the day of Pentecost and is for every generation. Is that right? Amen. So, so again, you know, you're not, you can't say, well, glory to God, we're eating the old corn of the land because we're already in the promise. No, not in this type. Amen. We're still on the journey. And as long as we're on the journey, there's going to be angels' food. A fresh supply of it every day. Amen. Well, Brother Tim, I've got it in the holiest of holies, but let me just tell you, I don't keep it from falling out here. We still need visions and prophecies and dreams. And Come on. We need visitations from God. We need right now to continue pouring out of God's spirit. Well, it only got on their flesh. Well, at least it's here to get on their flesh. Some places it ain't even there to get on their flesh. Well, some, they just got emotional. Well, thank God. We had enough of it that somebody got happy. Some didn't go all the way. Well, you're pointing to them, but how many that did go all the way? You see, on the journey, some began to despise the bread of heaven. 
They don't want it no more. It becomes despised, unwanted. In fact, they're embarrassed or ashamed of it. Some of the last things imparted by this messenger was one that they would become ashamed or embarrassed of the new birth experience. They wouldn't want none of them tongue speaking Acts 2.38 youngins. They would be embarrassed. That's message churches today because it's only moved inward. Amen. You think the rejection is out there. All them Laodiceans rejected Christ. It has moved right into the message and many are rejecting Christ today. They don't want his spirit. Well, Brother Tim, by the year judging them by, by, by the, the, the atmosphere and whatever, and, and they're going through a trial, it doesn't really matter. Your trial has nothing to do with where you are in Christ and who you are in Christ. Well, our church just ain't in the atmosphere. Well, it's in the responsibility of the ministry to preach the word, to lift them up into higher realms. Don't stay where you're at. If I was, if I had a dead church, I'd be doing everything I could to preach the word of God to them to tell them, don't stay dead. Come on in the Shekinah glory. But the Holy Ghost becomes despised and unwanted and they're embarrassed or ashamed. As I said, one of his last sermons, Brother Branham preached, you know, you've heard me say this before, but I read a book on killing Lincoln and it was by um, a fellow by the name of O'Reilly. And, and I, I, I read it and, you know, it was the last two weeks or so of Lincoln's life. And today, Mr. Lincoln went here and he did this and he did that. And here he addressed the troops and the man who only had so many days to live. And, you know, finally comes right down the last day and him taking his life. But, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a good historical account. Ah, I would recommend you read it if you want. But nevertheless, what it did for me is I began to think, okay, what about our messenger? And what were the last things that God was trying to impart? Let me stop here just a minute. This message is not Brother Branham's message. It was given to Brother Branham for us. But he was not its source. He did not originate it. He didn't write it. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things. So it was to the angel addressed to the angel of the church, the messenger for us. Are you with me? So it is not just a a, a William Branham's or Brother Branham's message. It, It is God's message. So what were the last things God was trying to impart to us? Might ought to go back and listen. When you think this one who only had this many more sermons to preach in Branham Tabernacle. He had only this many more sermons to preach. And just this last few things God was going to impart. And one of the last things that he would say to the church, he warned them, his own church, don't become ashamed of him. So he preaches a message ashamed of him. What was it? God warning us. And and he would say this in there. Yes, you know, he warned them that that we will become ashamed to say, yes, I've spoke with tongues. 
Yes, I've seen visions. Yes, I believe in divine healing. Yes, I praise the Lord. Now, but you let a man get a hold of the hidden manna in the realm of the soul where he never leaves that Shekinah glory and he partakes of that manna that never goes stale or breeds worms and, and he, will, he will never be ashamed of this Holy Ghost gospel. Uh, and so as I quote from a shame to him, a man who has once come in contact with God, which is the word and the word has been made plain and manifested to him, there's no shameness about that. You're not embarrassed. It don't embarrass me to say, I believe every word of God. Doesn't embarrass me when the Lord says to say anything and you go say it and do it. It don't embarrass me to say, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It don't embarrass me to say, I spoke with other tongues. It don't embarrass me to say that our Lord has shown me vision. It don't embarrass me to say, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the manna is to be our food and it's to be our strength. It is to be our source of vitality until we reach the millennium. The Holy Ghost manna, this Holy Ghost is a balanced diet. Amen. Everything you need, even Brother Brown said the rapture is in it. So go with me to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 4, and I want to just read a few things here. Numbers 11 and 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our soul is dried away and there's nothing at all besides this manna before eyes. And the manna was as a coriander seed and the color thereof was the color of bedellium. And, and the people went about and gathered it and ground it in the meals or beat it with mortar, baked it in pans, made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as a taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell in the camp, the manna fell upon it. And then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families and every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Notice a mixed multitude went out. Let's just, let's just deal with some of this. You, you see, you have revival and phenomenal miracles are performed and signs and wonders and a mixed multitude will come along too and impersonate the ones that's called. Even in the Azusa meeting, you know, it wasn't long from the outpouring of the Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues that impersonators rose up who manufactured their own tongues. Amen. You see, what it is is an unconverted People follow because of the supernatural and it causes trouble. People who are sinners. Now, I'm quoting this from Brother Brandon. People who are sinners who don't accept the Lord Jesus can still enjoy seeing the moving of the miracle of God. Healing the sick. Can rejoice in people doing right. 
can open their hearts and rejoice in a sermon that was preached under the anointing. And that's the same type of manna that the Christian is eating. So notice, notice again, as he said, these, they can come and enjoy seeing a miracle. Enjoy, enjoy, um, you know, people rejoicing and rejoice in doing right and, and can even open their hearts and rejoice in a sermon that is preached under the anointing. And yet be a part of a mixed multitude. Amen. Amen. Now, men and women who come to church and profess to be believers and they're not believers. Now, wait a minute. We didn't come a long ways. We found it in the pulpit. We found that in the, in the deacons. We found that in church members who said, I'm a believer and profess to be a believer, and they were never believers. Amen. They were just carnal. And just as soon as a little strain come, maybe a little question on the message, maybe, uh, you know, a little doubting here or there, next day they go right back to Egypt. Amen. They want the garlic pots. They want the fish out of the river. They want the leek, the garlic. They want things that they had down in Egypt. And the Bible said, if you love the world or the things of the, of the world, the love of the Father's not in you. You see, it never was there. Let them go through a trial and you'll find out what they're made out of. You see, no matter how much you try to pretend when it comes to strain, a man will show his best and worst parts. But you take a Christian, a really born-again Christian, put him under strain, you watch how he acts. You can tell what he's made of. You see, anybody can praise the Lord while the Holy Spirit's have fallen in a congregation of people, but let trouble rise and watch what takes place. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham asks, are you one of the mixed multitude? Are you the person, as the street expression says, can't take it? That's it. You can't stand up to it. Brother, if you're that way, backslides, ups and downs, ins and outs, why, why don't you come to Calvary and die of yourselves and be born again of the Spirit of God? Shame on you. You profess, you people who profess to be Christians and live something else that you're not hearing an indebtedment to the society of the Lord Jesus Christ. You who profess to be a Christian and shame to take him in his word and Testify to his power and his glory when he comes. You're an indebtedment to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, so again, the, these are things that, that he spoke about and he brought out these, these in the types. You know, we, we remember. Isn't it strange? They didn't remember the bondage. They didn't remember their daughters being pulled out and you know, live like concubines with some old, somebody else. They didn't, re- they didn't remember. They didn't remember the slave belts and, and, and the humiliation and the hard task. All they remembered was the leeks, the garlic, the good things. You know, that, that can happen in a church. You know, you have a little fuss rise up in the church, you know, and it gets a, something started like a cancer, and it'll, it'll kill the whole church. And in those sort of times, you know, you know, they don't remember, they don't remember the blessings that God gave. 
They don't remember the deliverance from sin. They don't remember how that once they were a drug addict or a dope head or whatever else. It's like a man that come to me and he was all upset. He's all upset because that the, the church had decided to put a, a parking only for the pastor in the parking lot. And he was upset, ready to leave the church. And of course, you know, sometimes a pastor, you know, situations comes and whatever, and he maybe arrives late or whatever. And I said, I was listening to this man talk to me about it, and I said, don't you remember? Don't you remember when you were a drunk? Don't you remember when you were a drunkard out there in the world and you came among believers and, and you were just happy to be with believers? Just happy to be with, with, with Holy Ghost-filled people and you, know, you, you just felt so privileged and honored. Don't you remember when, when you needed a pastor and you prayed for a pastor and you got a pastor and God gave you a pastor and now you don't even want to give him a parking place? I said, what is wrong? What's wrong with this picture? You, know, you, you get into these places and these things that you don't remember what God gave you, where he brought you from the slavery that was down in Egypt and what God did to deliver you. Amen. The ministry that God brought you and nurtured in, in a time of, of trouble. You begin to hate the manna that's being preached. You begin to disdain the movement of the Spirit of God. You begin to desire the leeks and the garlics of the world. Amen. All of these things can happen. You know what we need, as Brother Branham said, an old Pente- old-fashioned Pentecostal backwoods sin-killing revival. Amen. With the power of God back in the church. Oh, they were, they were just eating angels' food, but they still wanted the garlic, wanted to go back to the old garlic pots. It showed they wasn't ready to go to Canaan. Amen. Somebody said to me, well, Brother Tim, my, my daughter went out into sin and oh, she's done some awful things. I said, well, you don't look on the bright side of it. Well, what's the bright side? She found out she wasn't what she claimed. Now she can start over. Amen. As long as she was sitting self-righteous in the church and everything's all right and I'm going to heaven and I got the Holy Ghost and then now you found out what you really had. Aren't you glad that the rapture didn't take place back there? You wouldn't have went. Amen. Now, so you see, but they became much discouraged along the way. Numbers 21 and 5 says, and the people spake against God. Hey, you know, when you start speaking against the movement of the Spirit, when you speak against his gifts, when you speak against divine healing, altar calls, prayer lines, you're not speaking against me. You're speaking against God. That ain't my message. This is God's message. You're, you know, you're, 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 not, uh, you're not coming against evening like tabernacle. No, you're coming against God. 
they became and they began to speak against God. Numbers 21 and 5. And against Moses, the leadership. Wherefore have you brought us about of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there no wa- any water, and our soul loatheth. Angels' food. Bread from heaven. We hate it. We hate it. And Brother Brandon said, when it comes, it comes like the upper room with an old outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people get, they get saturated with it and get joy in the heart. Come on. And people despise it. Angels food, bread from heaven. Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Ghost and a mixed multitude gets sick and tired of it. Lothas mean, means a sickening dread. I, I, I just dread going to church. They're just going to expect me to be a priest and worship and offer a sacrifice of praise. Can you imagine that's what they're expecting of me? I know know they will. I I know. But I'm sick of it. I'm just tired of that. I'm tired of services like that. I I just like it to be, well. Remember the old times in in Egypt, down in our Catholic church, we just said Hail Marys and jumped up and down a few times on our knees and that was it and we got out in 15 minutes. You remember, remember those old times and Presbyterians and oh, how reverent it was. Wasn't even a sound. You know, there was never an amen or a hallelujah or a glory to God or nothing like that. Don't you remember how it was down in Egypt? Don't you remember how, how it was? You know, we, you know we, uh, back then we had that good old easy believism. You just believe the message is right and you got the Holy Ghost. There was no dying out to sin. There was no weeping and snotting down in an altar. There was no, there was no, real, you know, no need for real repentance. We was, oh, that, that, that's, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, a little psychology that made us feel good, a, a good my goodness, you know, wouldn't it be great if every once in a while we at least could have once a month anyhow, maybe a little more often, you know, a, a, a good old, you know, good old sermon, you know, that would make us feel good and lift us up and, you know, a, a good Joel Osteen meeting that we, we could have and we just all, you know, just clap our hands and go out feeling, whoo. How great I am. You see, they get weary of the word, a man with full vitamins, everything needed for the journey. Brother Brandon said in the message countdown in 64, when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, there is something in him that is full of God's spiritual vitamins that makes him shout and praise God and act different. Because why? He's no longer earthbound. He's in the heavens sailing around in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say, you know and I know, leeks, onions, and garlic, they're not main courses. They're just to flavor the food. And so 
the gospel has been flavored by additions of Egypt's garlic. Who, whoever sat down, please don't raise your hand. Please don't. But whoever sat down just to have a bowl of garlic. You know, they flavor food. that They have a distinct taste. So you get a variety. You know, you get Mexican food and Italian food and Indian food. All, or, you know, maybe the same meats, some of the same veggies or whatever, but they have a different taste, different flavor, right? And it comes from, it comes from the, the seasoning. And the same truth, people crave certain foods. We have Baptist flavors. Methodist flavors, Pentecostal flavors, whatever you like it. And we have flavored the message with all kinds of flavor. We want garlic, a perusia, or a lusting for, you know, Coleman's Thunders, or another lust for headquarters in Jeffersonville, or, you know, you know, but the true manna from heaven has a distinct taste. And it tastes like wafers with honey. Try a little garlic on that. Come on, try a little garlic. Try, try, try to munch an onion while, while, eating, while eating this sweet wafer. You're either crazy or you're pregnant. <laughs> Hello. But we have a manner today that we can have food Amen. That is not tainted by man's flavor. It's not got additions come on from Egypt. Amen. It's a manna without seed or bones in it. It's wafers that come down from heaven, covered over with the sweetness of heaven. Like David said, it tastes like honey in the rock. Hallelujah. Brother Brandon would always bring it around to this. He said, David, a shepherd boy, knew to put honey on certain rocks for the mineral value. And when the sheep licked the honey, he got the minerals from the rock. And he said, when we put the honey on the rock, Christ Jesus, sin and troubles go away. When you lick on that rock, healing is available for ever sick sheep. When you lick on the rock, Oh, I hope there's a house full of people that loves that sweet heavenly manna. But you know, he would say to the ages, now watch, this is quoting Brother Branham, but there's something I got against you. And that is you left your first love. You left that love you once had for them, good old-fashioned Holy Ghost meetings. And you begin to kind of slide backwards into that formal, oh, come in with our father nonsense. So that's how the devil got in the book of Acts church. This is the way that Brother Bradham describes it in the second seal. Some of them wanted a little more class to the message, a little more finesse, a little something more, a little bit more refined, something that is sophisticated. And, and so we become intellectual teachers instead of anointed preachers. You see, he never told us to go teach the gospel, but to go preach the gospel. And I'm quoting Brother Branham from Christ the Mystery. He said, in other words, demonstrate the power and 
these signs shall follow them that believe. Just teaching doesn't do it. It takes actual spirit itself demonstrating these signs. But you know, the first thing you know, we become very educated and very refined in the message and we were going to preach the deep things of God and buddy, we laid her out here and there and you know, and, and the next thing you know, speaking in tongues was baby talk and gifts of the spirit was only for the immature and the, the Holy Ghost, well, you know, that was just dismissed as just to, just, just in a refined, cultured way of just saying, I believe the message and you got, now, now look church, you know I'm telling you the truth. There's some of you been in those moves. You know what I'm talking about. Andy, you know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Ghost teaching, of course Holy Ghost teaching is all right. We want Holy Ghost anointed teachers. It's needed in the body, but much of our teaching has come from the wisdom of man without any anointing to it. And the Bible said they would keep to themselves teachers, you know, having itching ears. In other words, the people pull on them to tell them what they want to hear. You see, real teaching uh, is not educating. Real teaching is not intellectual stimulation. True teaching settles the heart in faith and causes you to believe every word of God. Teaching is not dry lectures. Teaching must be anointed. Brother Branham said, and we would see Jesus after the seals, he said, are you lecturing Jesus? Never said, go into all the world and teach this or teach that. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, preaches to demonstrate the power of God. These signs have followed them. It don't come by lecture, that's right. See, that believe, it doesn't come by lectures, it comes by, uh, it comes by the presence of the living God moving among in human flesh, proving himself he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he never fails to be the same. It comes so simple. The simplicity of it is what drives the intellectual mind away from it. So again, this is what Paul said. I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, of our wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You see, when you get people's their faith standing in the wisdom of man, well, we understand the seals and we understand the thunders and we've got this revelation and we've got an understanding greater than anybody else and your, your faith is in that. You see, it will never stand. You're gonna fall away, but your faith has gotta be in the power of God. I know I met him. I know I had an experience. I know he changed my life. I have that testimony where my dead stick, amen, it came in the presence of God and it bore almonds. I've got that witness in my life. I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brother Brandon said, we got people can stand up and explain the word in such a way it's just breathtaking, but we find it's still just a lecture. See, it's the mechanics and that's the trouble. We have had the mechanics 
and we have had it for 60 years, going over and over and over and over. You know, this and that, and looking at how the carb work, how carburetor works, and how the valves are timed, and making sure everything is exactly right, and you know, all of this, and we fiddle-faddle with it until it won't run. Amen. We played around with it until it won't drive to divine healing. And the sick lay sick. Come on. Amen. We've got to have a faith, a greater faith. You say, Brother Tim, that was for the divine healing movement. No, sir. Amen. The change of our body is nothing but just more dynamic power of the same divine healing. And if there is no divine healing, there is no resurrection. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, instead of having preachers, we got lectures. Men who know the word just as well can put it together in such a way it's astounding how they can do it. They know the mechanics, but that ain't the dynamics. We want the dynamics. I'm quoting Brother Branham. I don't care about the mechanics. I want to know the dynamics. Amen. I don't know how the car runs out there. It's got piston cylinders. I don't know how much pressure it's used. The only thing I know is the dynamic put her out there and tried it. That's what we know. God made the promise, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. How's he gonna do it? I can't tell you. I just know the dynamics of God's system. I'll tell you what, that's what the prophet wanted. Amen. That's what we ought to want. We, I, I, believe, I believe we have the mechanics. I believe things are set in order. I believe that we got the mysteries of God revealed in this day and hour, but they need to be quickened in our lives. Amen, we need faith to rise up in us. When we see this sick, something rises up in but our God made a promise. Amen, we're not just gonna let the sick lay sick. We're going to believe. We're going to call heaven down. Amen. Oh, God, help us to realize, friend, we're not in this alone. We are not by ourselves, but a host of angels is on our side. And the host on the other side are screaming out, keep pressing the battle. Keep pressing the battle. You don't know what's laying at the end of the road. Oh, God, let me just get to the end. That's what I say. Sometimes I get so weary of this. I say, Lord, just let me get to the end. I'm here. I, I don't know. I don't know how far we are into this hour of darkness. But we pressed in. We have keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. I don't know, church, I don't know if it'll end in 2024. I don't know if it'll be over in, in, in 2000. Uh, 27. I don't know when it's going to be. Amen. All I know to do is keep pressing. Put another foot forward. Put another arrow in my bow. Strike the enemy one more time. Amen. Stand on righteousness. Preach the truth. Amen. Call heaven down. Let the Holy Spirit move. That's all I know to do. I don't know how it's all going to wind up. I don't know when it's going to be. I just know. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. And he can't leave us behind. (laughs) 
You see back there, that, back there with how the devil got in the book of Acts church, the Holy Ghost was poured out on ignorant, unlearned people and slaves. You know, like the Ethiopian eunuch, the poor of the land. They would testify their, their bosses who saw the miracles and signs and wonders and the works of the supernatural. That's good. And those bosses testified to their friends, the celebrities, the great up and ups, the mayors, the doctors, whoever they were, you know, more sophisticated, more sophisticated. And they just couldn't bring them down to that old dingy hall in that meeting. You know, remember the early church didn't have fine temples of worship. But this God didn't meet in temples made with hands. But a body has I prepared. And he dwells in humans. Fine buildings and beautiful temples are not evidence of his presence. Well, Brother Tim, you sure got a nice church here. Well, let me tell you, compared to what Rome has, it's a tin can box. And I'm thankful. I was in, you know, you know some, some guy come to me some time ago, you know, and said, back to them dimly lit places and back to them. I said, wait a minute, I've been to dimly lit places. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, we didn't come through that. I said, I've been through dimly lit places. I've been where there was six light bulbs, no AC, no indoor toilets. I've been in those places where you burn on one side and cold on the other from an old barrel heater. I've been in those places. I know what dimly lit places are. Amen. We, we don't forget. We don't forget our humble beginnings. Amen. We're not, we're not an exalted people. We don't have a greater ministry because we have a nice church. And I'm thankful for the nice church. But let me tell you, God doesn't meet in people and in, in, in buildings made with hand, but a body has prepared. We're not trying to get a building ready for a rapture. We're trying to get you ready for a rapture. Amen. For God to come and live in your building where you have an ark of testimony. Brother Branham said, and I quote, they couldn't bring him to a place where they were meeting in a little dirty, dingy hall, clap their hands and shout, speaking in tongues, getting messages. He'd never believe it like that. He's got to dress it up. So what did the Nicolaitan age ask for? It asked to get away from this bunch of people that shouts and clap their hands, looks disgracefully like they did on Pentecost like drunk men, act like drunk men, staggering in the spirit. They didn't want none of that. They, they said they were drunk. And when the celebrity, listen, don't miss this. It may sound crazy to you, but it's the truth. When the dignitaries began to come in, they couldn't stoop to that. So what? They become embarrassed. You know, who is this mixed multitude? There were people who were never called to leave Egypt but just went along. And their heart was still in Egypt. It was never in the promised land. You see, like Lot, God called Abraham, but Abraham called Lot. You see, here they are. Can you imagine? They are leaving the flesh pots and garlic in Egypt to eat angels' food and was still complaining. 
leaving the boasting physicians of Egypt, saying the days of miracles are past. There's no such thing as miracles no more. And they go out to be with the people who, who believe in the signs following with sign of the king in the camp. Great wonders and signs, a pillar of fire hanging over them, the blessings of falling and spirits of manna out of heaven and still grumbling insult to their maker. The modern day would be, oh, every Wednesday night, prayer meeting. Oh, every Sunday morning, back to the church. What do we hear? Same thing. The preachers stand up and preach songs and go on back and then you're, then you're just going on as a line of duty. You're not a worshiper. A worshiper goes there to worship, to express himself before his God, to praise God for his goodness. To every word, he hangs on to it. Amen. Oh, my. It's a precious word. It's a wonderful truth. Amen. What's it taste like, Brother Tim? He said, honey, wafers with honey. Brother Brandon said, I tell you, I've seen the saints of God so drunk upon it till they lick their lips and say, mmm, good. There's something about honey. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, it becomes very common. And what am I saying to you today? Don't let meetings like this become common. Don't let it just be another Sunday morning service. Don't let it just be another denominational gathering or like a denominational gathering. Amen. Realize manna is going to be coming down from heaven. Angels food. And what I want to do, I want to welcome it. Amen. I want to, I want to realize God's doing something special for me. Hey, it's special what you got. The seals have been opened. The thunders have uttered their voices. The mysteries have been revealed. And you're recipients of it. Hallelujah. And it doesn't have any denominational flavor out of it. God made sure it was a pure, clean, unadulterated word of God. And you ought to be able to taste it. And let mm, that feel good and get so drunk on it. Because it's anointed with the Holy Ghost. Get so drunk on it. But when a man or woman begins to complain about going to church, they're they're so tired of going to church, they're not ready for the journey. It bred worms and it stank. It's death in the pot. It's killing the church. Takes the life right out of it. Somebody went and got a weed of psychology. You know what I'm talking about, right? And Elisha and them, they were trying to gather some food. One of the preachers, one of the young men went out and he picked some wild gourds and they got to tasting and said, there's death in this pot. This is going to kill us all. And they cried out to the prophet, somebody's mixed death in this pot. Listen, this is a problem. This is a problem. There's too much death in the pot. Too many poisoned Amen. Amen. Come on. Somebody went and got a weed of psychology. I'll tell you now, psychology is a weed that too many of our preachers are smoking. Hello. And they've incorporated into the diet of the church. 
on. And what is it? They mix that in there, hybridize this, and you know, mix this idea and what Dobson says and what this one says, or what some what some theologian says. We don't need it mixed up. We already got a manna without cedar bones. If you want flavored manna, get out there to the denomination. That's where it's flavored, but not here. Amen. We don't want it flavored. We want the say of the Lord. We want the pure, unadulterated word. We want God in his power. We want everything that's in the book. We want what God said. Amen. We're going to stick with what God said. Hallelujah. Oh, my. You know, some have emphasized Greek words. Greek words, we need a few Greek lessons. We're going to educate you on a Greek word. Here's a new Greek word for the week. You know, they tried that with Brother Branham. A Baptist man said, Brother Branham, we'll never have revival until we get the Bible exactly right. We got to go back and examine the Greek and, you know, word by word and letter by letter and find the Greek interpretation of what the Greek said. He said, man, they've been arguing about the Greeks since the Nicene Council. It's not to know the Greek is life, it's to know him that's life. Amen. You see, wild goers, death in the pot. But what did he do to remedy that? He said he took a handful of meal, and that meal represented Christ, and it was all ground with the same burr, made Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he took that and put it back in the pot, put it in the pot, and it healed the pot, took the poison out. You want the poison of false doctrine out? Amen. Put Jesus Christ back in the church, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same in power, the same anointing, the same Holy Ghost, the same as always. Come on. Jesus Christ the same, and it healed the pot. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know some, They get a taste of the manna. And before the next revival, they got to go out and get renewed again. So they run from revival to revival. They run from camp meeting to camp meeting. Now, camp meeting is okay. Revival meetings are okay. That's what they used to call... uh, Special meetings was a revival. Those are okay. They're fine. But you know, in between revivals, if your experience is dropping out and you're losing what you had, you need to go further with God. It's okay to go to revival. Sure, go, go there. Encourage somebody else. Lift them up. Amen. Even, even eat some more manna. Rejoice evermore. Are you with me? But friends, if if it's running out from meeting to meeting, then go a little further with God than you went. Die out to sin. Because you see, there's too many that are like a broken cistern that can hold no water. So first of all, a, a cistern has to wait for for revival rains to get filled up. 
And, you know, we had one down at the farm in Plain Dealing when I was a boy. Well, mosquitoes would breed in it. We had an old screen up there that would keep the leaves out of it. And, you know, it ran off the top of the house and, and, and whatever and went there. The, the, well, the well was always going dry in that place. And so you could never, de- never depend on, on good fresh water. So you had to have cistern water too. And that cistern water, they, you know, the rain would come and, you know, the, the chickens rested on that barn. Then. The, you get the drift. You know, the, the, the dirt kicked up from the plow and everything's on that barn. It all washes right down into the cistern. Well, you just got a screen where you screen the leaves out. And now you got cistern water. Don't drink it. It'll give you the trots. <laughs> Amen. But you see, I mean, it's death in the pot. Amen. And, and that's the way a lot of people are, but it can be even worse. Jeremiah said, it because they have cisterns and they're broken. And they hold no water. So they're worse off than a cistern. Because they don't even have revival waters. So that's what Brother Branham would talk about, broken cisterns. And he said, these cisterns would be filled up from revival to revival. Listen, you're not to be a cistern. You are to be a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. Come on, something on the inside of you pushing out. Hallelujah. It'll push out sin. It'll push out unbelief. It'll push out worldliness. Amen. And also out of it will come a bubbling out of you. The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. That no man created, but it's coming because there's a life that is down on the inside of you pushing it out. You're still happy because the Spirit of God is in there and it's bubbling forth. Praise the Lord. Now, you can go into this and I'm just going to take maybe the next few minutes just to deal with it. But let me read this quote. Yesterday's manna is contaminated. I hear people say, 40 years ago, I did so-and-so. That's right. But what about today? What about the church on fire? We talk about yesterday. What about the church today? What about you as an individual today? For yesterday's won't do for today. It was all right yesterday. So, again, he talked about the light, and he said it all must blend together. And he said what it ought to have done was blend with it and went on to make the perfect loaf of bread and went to make perfect, perfect manna of God. But now as we, as, as I just bring it down here for a moment, and I, I want to bring some of these points because I don't want to pick it up again. But he, he talks about this in the messages, eagle stirs her nest. Some of the brothers have touched on this. I've had this in my notes for the last six weeks probably, just trying to get to this. But he talks about this, and eagle stirs her nest. And, he, and, and, and right down to the end, like uh, seed not air with the shuck, anointed ones in the end time, all these messages, he brings this principle out. And that is how that an eagle is meant to fly in the heavenlies. And how that God 
it is like an eagle, and, he, and the eagle doesn't want his little family, his little chicks, little eagles, little eaglets to be earthbound. So, you know, it's, it's a time that they're in the nest, but there comes a time that they have to leave the nest and learn to fly. Amen? Now, so he, he goes on to talk about this and, and he, he equates it with the church. He, he uses the pattern of the hawk. The hawk, he, he types with Pentecost. So they, they've got word that they just vulture down on things. They're waiting for a, a dead rabbit there on the road to eat. And they're, wait, they're, they're waiting to find something like that. They, want, they don't have fresh manna. But he said, that's not the way the eagle is to be. His eagle is to be always fresh. Where the carcass is, the eagle shall gather. He said, well, now, Brother Tim, uh, eagles are vultures too. They'll eat dead things. Well, of course, of course, any, any animal will be forced out of his habitat. But if it gets his preference, uh, a, a, real, a real eagle, especially the golden eagle, it, will, it wants fresh, it wants to kill it fresh. He doesn't really vulturize down. Now, if he's hungry, he'll do anything. I used to raise dairy goats. And people don't understand about goats. They think they're nasty. But a goat would not drink. It would not drink. My goats would not drink out of water that was stale. They would not drink out of water that was contaminated. If they stuck their feet in a, accidentally stuck their feet in a grain pan and and got a, a little bit of their foot in there and messed around in the grain pan, they would not eat it. They were clean animals. And so, but if you force them out of their habitat, if you force them out of their natural ways, you can force a goat, I saw them in Africa, drink out of a mud puddle because there was no other source. Are you with me? So they can be forced to do it. An eagle there can be forced out of hunger, starvation, and the eating things that it, would, that it doesn't prefer. But it prefers the fresh killed meat. Are you with me? And Brother, Brother Branham Todd went to great lengths in preaching about this. And he said, what it is, he said, that the, the, the thing that they're trying to eat on is manna from another day. And they're not taking the fresh killed meat of the word, the message of the hour. Are you with me? So they vulturize down like that and they just hop from carcass to carcass to carcass like that. And he said the hawk, which is a lesser brother to the eagle, it's like the Pentecostal, they just hop from one carcass to the other and doing that. He said, I saw a hawk there doing that the other day. Listen, let me tell you again. Let me tell you again, friends, you know, Many of them, they would prefer to have the right meat. But it ain't available to them. But that's not your problem. God has given you the fresh meat of the word. And the way that you want it, this is the way we want it. We want it so fresh. We want it so fresh that when the ripper of the beak tears it open, the blood flows. And when the blood flows, it gets all over the eagle. Amen, that's the way you want it. You want the Holy Ghost full of life 
until the life of God comes all over you as you eat of the word, as you pull on it. Here it comes, the blood flows. Hallelujah. When you get out of church, everybody knows you've been worshiping. Everybody knows you're a worshiper. Come on, because they see blood all over you. Amen, you ought to be able to leave the church house this morning and everybody know you have been with Jesus. Hallelujah, that blood got all over you, that his life flowed all over you, and that it speaks. Let me tell you, this blood speaks. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So not less of Christ, more Christ. Amen. But the perfect word. Now, coming down, Brother Timothy brought it out in one of his sermons. But he talks about an eagle. Doesn't want his, his little eaglets to be earthbound. Builds its nest way up high. Makes it where that he gets up there and then there comes a time where he wants to take it on a flight. Well, some say, well, Brother Tim, there ain't no eagle that ever took a bird or another eaglet on the flight. Well, all I know is, is God said, I carried you on wings like an eagle. All I know is in Revelation chapter 12, he said, and he gave, and he gave the woman two wings as an eagle to fly, to fly Old and New Testament. All I know is, is that this eagle will bear you up on its wings and might carry you in the heavenlies and then drop you off so that you will, yeah, so that you will learn how to fly. I wonder if God ain't doing that to some of us. Letting some things happen in our lives that makes us have to exercise our wings. Amen, to use our faith a little bit. Come on, church. And he said, it's those eagles there, those little eaglets, they'll go tumbling down on the inside over and over and whatever he said. Now they get out of order. But let them fly. They're trying to learn how to fly. And he said, don't worry about them getting out of order. The, the mother eagle will come back with her two wings Hallelujah. And bear them back up into grace again. I'm not worrying about order. I want to see eagles fly. I want them to see that all things are possible. I want them to see Jesus Christ is real. I want them to see they can have the same Holy Ghost they had on the day of Pentecost. I want them to have the same manna, the same Holy Ghost, the same outpouring. I want to see them have manna that never grows stale or breed worms. Let's stand together. You say, well, Brother Tim, that's just not happening where we are. Well, then go and you're beyond the camp. Listen to this. I'll just let the, the prophet answer for you. Now, in this camp, miracles, signs, and wonders was in this camp. They moved them out to the wilderness. They left the natural camp. They left the mud camp. They left the camp made with straw and brick to dwell in tents out in the wilderness where there was no grain or nothing else. Sometimes God asks us to do foolish things our own thinking. 
And if you'll ever leave the camp of your own reason, that's the place you'll find God. Now, as soon as they went out in the wilderness, there was miracle signs when they moved out in this camp. Remember, they left Egypt's camp, moved out of the wilderness with God's camp. How do you know it was? God said, your people sojourned for 400 years, but I'll bring them out with a mighty hand. I'll give them this land here. And there they were on the road by vindicated light, a vindicated prophet with signs and wonders that God was in the camp and they were there on their road. They had a pillar of fire. They had a prophet. They had manna. They had living waters. They had changed campgrounds. You remember when you did, Brother Gary? You left those campgrounds out there to come to campgrounds where that there was miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. They had to change campgrounds in order to see the supernatural. So will the people of this day have to change the camp from them denominations that say the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All these other scriptures are wrong and they work for, they work for another age. You have to change your campground and be, go beyond the camp Amen. where all things are possible. Manna that will never grow stale. If your manna is rotten, if your experience has got wormy, if you allowed bitterness in your life, if you allowed things that shouldn't be, come on in a little further. Come on into the presence of God. Come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. Where that the manna never ceases. I want you to bow your heads together with me. You tired of being a mixed multitude? Tired of being a complainer, murmur? The journey's so hard. Things are so difficult. You want your joy back? You can have that joy. Jesus Christ is our living hope. You want that peace that surpasses all understanding? You want to be able to love your enemy? You want to be able to love God and hate sin? I get, I get embarrassed. I get embarrassed. Talk about embarrassed. I get embarrassed. I see so-called Christians. See a girl that, out in some skimpy dress. I'm talking about supposed to be a believer. Some kind of skimpy garment. Dress above the knees. Or doing something they shouldn't be doing. Or maybe in a bathing suit. All these likes, and oh, you look so adorable. Or pictures of them with full of makeup. Oh, you're so adorable. You're so cute. How many likes? What in the world is wrong? How in the world could you do that? 
Of course you don't want to get on there and say something derogatory. But sometimes I wonder if you couldn't just be a witness and step up and say, look, we ought to present Christ before the world. And this in Christ. Do you love the world? You love the things of the world? The love of the Father is not in you. There is manna. There's a place that you can have this manna that your experience will never grow stale no more. Never breed worms. You cannot ever be classified as lukewarm, cold, and formal because it's bubbling up into eternal life. It's right behind the veil. You got to go beyond your veil of reasoning. Got to go beyond that veil that says days of miracles are past. God don't do anything like that anymore. We can't live like that. That's just, you know, we just have to take a denominational life. You got to go beyond those veils. Because there at Calvary, he tore down the veils to see Christ, the living Christ. Since Calvary, man has put up their own veils. God is not veiling himself away from you. The mighty God is unveiled before us. This is the unveiling of God. But what has veiled is denominational theories of men want to hide God from you. Come on past them. Come on into his presence. Ask God, evermore, Lord, give us the spread from heaven. Let it satisfy my thirsting soul. Pour afresh on me, Lord. But in the inner veil where I just get another handful. If I'm hungry, I don't have to wait for revival. I don't have to wait for a special move in the church. It's there all the time. Whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether there's trouble, all the same time I'm constant on the inside because my light never grows dim. The manna never goes stale. And there's always evidence, a reminder of how he changed my life. Father, bless these words today. Bless them to the hearts of your children. May they just move into your presence today in a a real and living way. I pray, oh God, if there be among us any of a heart that has got embarrassed Maybe they remember leeks or garlic. Or they looked over and seen what others have with their leeks and garlic. They want that. May they come back to you today. May they be a full surrender of their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I lift it. I lift it.